Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. Why do great candidates run after going through your company's interview process? Today we're going to discuss why this happens and why implementing an effective interview process is essential for your company's success. My name is Rick Gerard, and you are listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. We are an entrepreneur's resource for solving the most difficult hiring problems. Today, our guest is legendary recruiting trainer Peter Lefkowitz, founder and CEO of Morgan Consulting Group and Morgan 2020 Search. Peter has developed and guided the largest training consulting company to staffing industry and has personally trained over 60,000 recruiters from around the world. Peter also runs his own private brand, Morgan 2020 Search, a firm that specializes in very tight, high demand, low supply niches like artificial intelligence with, within the drone and driverless car industry and international taxation. Peter, thank you for being with, here with us today, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much, man. I'm so appreciative to, of you having me on. Absolutely. Here you go. Uh, let's jump right in. You know, the purpose of an interview is, one, to showcase the company, and two, to uncover the truth about the person sitting in front of you. If someone is turned off from the beginning, you will not get to the truth because the person really doesn't care whether enough to impress you, correct? So... Let's focus on how to best showcase the company to get the person in front of you to perform and get them salivating to work with you. Does how you interview affect how potential employees perceive your organization? What do you think, Peter? To- totally. Um, the, the, the candidates, um, almost 100% of the candidates' perception comes from the way that the interview is delivered in combination with the research that they've done, um, whether or not they've been prepped by a recruiter, they've done it on their own. But the company could be outstanding. The research could be just beautifully matched to the candidate's criteria for making a change. And somebody who botches an interview and doesn't have a format that works and doesn't concentrate on the candidate uh, wish list and allowing the candidate to present who they are can blow the whole deal. If you don't mind, I would like to back up for a second and because sure. I disagree a little bit with what your definition of the purpose of the interview is. I think you mentioned to showcase the company. I believe that the purpose of an interview from an employer's perspective is to determine the truth as to whether a candidate is geared for growth at the time of that interview. I, to- I totally agree. So, yeah. You know, there are, there are so many candidates that go through interviews and decline the offer or decline coming to the second interview because their sense of pain in, in what they're experiencing in their current job it is not strong enough for them to want to move forward or their sense of being drawn towards pleasure that they've not received in their previous job um, is, is, is not strong enough to be drawn towards this company. And so what happens is you have employers that put on awesome shows about, you know, their own 
corporation and, and their own opportunity, but it has no effect because there's no, you know, what we call chi or, or energy or, um, or a career wound that needs to be healed or satisfied. Does that make sense? Sure, sure. But given the fact that, okay, so let's say there is a legitimate wound and there is a career wound, it can be satisfied, right? Breaking down the interview process, though, let, let's say that's all in place. Where are they failing? Is it is it in their approach or is it actually in their structure? Um, mostly in their structure. Uh, there, there are a couple of things that that cause um, a corporation or a new startup interviewer to not fare well with the candidate. N- number one, they dominate the conversation. So the candidate is there to really audition their skills for the job. And and hopefully the way that the client or the corporation has put out the objective of what that position is all about, provided that it includes what the problems are that they're trying to solve, the candidate has the ability to prepare their skills, to prepare the remedies that they have the ability to offer, the solutions that they bring to the table. They have the ability to literally audition for the job. Sure. But one of the problems is that there's not enough data that hits the candidate. So the majority of the first interview is like, okay, man, like, what's the real job? I know what it said in the posting. I know what the recruiter told me, but, you know, give me the real scoop. So... That's a huge thing. Is it to you not being prepared enough in the front on the front end before they go in? From the corporation or the startup's perspective, they have to give out enough data to the candidate so that the candidate does have the ability to prepare. If a candidate is working through a search firm, you know, the average search firm has very little concept of what the job scope is all about. They're operating primarily off of filling in some blanks wherever they can, but they haven't really gone deep. So the candidate can't prepare to bring solutions. The candidate can't audition for the job. They can just hear the interpretation of the job, um, unfortunately, during the dominant part of the first interview. Okay, so then what you're saying is that having a pain point and having the data points are two things that are lacking in the process then, correct? Yes. So what is the typical interview process that you see that scares prospective employees away? You know, I'd love to tell you that there's a process, but perception of a lack of a process. Okay. So that's what I'm getting. Most at. people come out right. Mo- most people come out of the interview saying, you know, it was kind of helter skelter. We we went from here to there, and then they had me talk to this other guy who asked me the exact same questions that the first guy asked me. There's no preparation typically on the client side, and you know, your market and my market, and probably the market that we're talking to right now is a market that deals with the high-tech world and the startup world and so forth. In environments like that, a candidate has no interest in starting off their first interview with HR. You know, nothing against HR, but HR doesn't stimulate the intellectualism of a candidate by discussing things that the candidate's really interested in. You know, HR typically has, um, you know, pretty well-rehearsed interview and a set of questions that they ask, and they talk a little bit about the corporate culture and so forth. But, 
you know, to, to get a high-quality candidate who's not pounding the pavement, that candidate needs to be intellectually stimulated immediately by a series of technical questions that cause the candidate to jump right into what their value is going to be to the company. So that's another problem that we, when we bring HR in first rather than bringing HR in last after the candidate is, is hooked in the process itself. So just breaking it down then, we've got lack of internal structure, not necessarily locating a wound and not stimulating the candidate properly, right? Correct. Okay. Basically, most interview processes then are are somewhat improvisational, right? 90% of all interviews that are conducted by the company, maybe not so much by the recruiter, especially if they've been trained, you know, in Morgan methodology, but by the company, there is no logical order to how they do their interview. It ends up becoming just kind of an employment conversation. When it occurs like that, things have a way of flowing, which can be very cool just to have kind of a, um, an improvised flow to a conversation. But it usually means that um, there are so many things that are missed that are important. And a good interviewer who at least knows what the acts of the play should be and the order that those acts should come in can produce an interview without a candidate thinking that there is a logical format. It just kind of takes on this flow that works. And I don't know if you want me to discuss or recommend what what we think that best flow and what the order of the subjects should be. We're definitely going to do that second part of the segment. (laughs) But yeah, you know, and, and I think the key point here is that really A players are attracted to A player structure and coordination. If you don't have a plan of attack, you're not going to impress somebody. I mean, you know, you're not going to go off to war with somebody like, you know, we're just going to storm the island and see what happens, right? The guys who are smart are going to stay on the boat. (laughs) Yeah, I wish we could just tell kind of young startup owners and and some of the important players in young startups i wish we could explain that to them because part of what they consider to be the sexy part of what they have to offer to a candidate is the fact that we don't play by the rules we implement you know when it's time to turn left we turn left when we feel like turning right we turn right we operate on impulse and creativity and you know outside the thinking. So don't expect any kind of format for this particular meeting that we're having. We could just kind of go helter-skelter. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's all well and, and done. And it's all part of the nuance and the coolness of the creativity that goes into young companies and startups. But Man, a candidate going into a startup wants to know that within this scary environment of a startup, there is process, there is good business skills, there yep. is an order, and they don't put that out that often. Yeah, That's absolutely. All right, so we're going to take a quick break. Um, we're talking to master recruiting trainer Peter Lefkowitz from the Morgan Consulting Group about why good people run after experiencing your company's jacked up or disorganized interviewing process. <laughs> we need to take, uh, when we come back, we'll discuss how to make your interview process impressive. You're listening to Higher Power with Rick Gerard. 
giving you access to recruiting techniques that will help you hire key talent to build your company towards real success. Rick is a recruiting executive and entrepreneur who's been successfully recruiting in the aggressive Silicon Valley technology landscape for the past two decades. After a very successful stint at Apogee, he founded Stride Search in 2012. Based on a lean efficiency model, Stride has uniquely positioned itself as a leader in retained search for the most critical talent hires within a small organization. Whether you're a startup executive or recruiting professional, by listening to Hire Power with Rick Gerard, you will walk away with skills to help you attract and hire great talent. Now back to Higher Power with Rick Gerard. Welcome back to the Higher Power Radio Show. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and we're here with Peter Lefkowitz, founder and CEO of Morgan Consulting Group and, and Morgan 2020 Search. Before the break, we were discussing the pitfalls of not having a structured interview process, and now we're going to go into how to fix your broken interview process. Peter, I'm going to let you showcase Morgan methodology here. What would you say would be the interview strategy that works well for, for most companies? I mean, can you just plug something in that you, uh, you provide for them? Today, I happen to be working a search with one of our clients. So I spend, I'd say, about 40% of my time now actually working searches and the rest of my time doing training for, for the industry. And I'm having a blast, you know, returning to the desk. Today, it's fun, huh? I actually, I actually wrote, uh, an email and, um, and, and sent it to a client laying out my recommendation of how they structure their interview process. Right. Because, you know, the previous candidates that have interviewed with this company have both gone through two totally different processes that showed no consistency, which gives us no ability to kind of prep the candidate for what's going to happen. And, um, you know, it's not that we want to prep the candidate so that they unnaturally do well. But we want the client to show a certain degree of order so that the candidate in the back of their mind goes, you know, these dudes are pretty together, you know. I mean, this follows kind of a really logical process. They're kind of crescendoing up to something that's pretty cool. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Now, how far back do you go into say, plugging in their culture or their company beliefs into the the questioning of the, the interview questions, so to speak? Well, the culture and anything about the company itself should come after the candidate is drilled. There should be very little selling of the company before the candidate is taken through a series of questions. And this is one of the main downfalls of most new interviewers. They get a little bit nervous, and because of their nervousness, they say, listen, before we start, I just want to tell you a little bit about the startup and where we came from prior to that and some of the things that we bring to the table. This is all done just to get them to settle down. And they have to have enough confidence to say to the candidate that, man, we are really, really pleased that you've joined us today. We looked at your resume. We had our short little conversation on the phone. Everybody was real excited to bring you in. So before we get started, let me just talk to you a little bit about the format that that I'd like to take you through today. We're going to have like three parts that we'll kind of go through. And, you know, the first thing that I want to do... Is there anything specifically that those three parts are covering? Yeah. The first part is me explaining to you exactly what our parts are going to (laughs) be. Okay. Right? And, you know, what that means is that I'm going to start off by 
kind of figuring out what and where your skills are. I'm going to be comparing you to other people that have your job and see how you rank in comparison to other people that are working the same skill sets. You know, if that's too much pressure on a candidate, <laughs> you know, bye. They're going to crack. The world's that's right. The yeah. Full of, you know, full of pressure. So the first thing that we do is we, we talk about what, what we call skills assessment and, and how do you separate yourself from other people that have the same functionality. And the second thing that we'll talk about is your wish list. So after I understand what you're strong in and where you can make your contribution, I'd like to find out before I bait you before I lead the witness, before I tell you what we have going on and how I want you to respond in a way that just makes me think you're perfect for the job. Before we do that, I want to just find out what your purest views are without me baiting you or putting possibilities in front of you as to what you want in your career. And, you know, I recommend a series of different subjects that the client or the interviewer ought to discuss with the candidate that goes from title to the size of a company to the industry that they have a preference in working in to what they might consider to be a utopian work environment. You know, I mean, there's a whole bunch of different things. But when you're conducting an interview really, really well, Rick, the candidate gets lost in the interview itself and doesn't realize that they may be busting themselves. Belts <laughs> sure. In areas. But, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, most definitely. That's the important part. My thought is, though, you're not going to have everybody run through that same thing, right? If you've got three to four people in the interview process, no. Then what is two through four going to talk about? So if we have multiple people running through the process, we're going to give each person an assignment so that they can cover different things. Because one of the things that candidates hate the most is having four different people in front of them and every person starts off the exact same way. Well, tell me a little bit about yourself. You know, and <laughs> by the time they're in third interview, candidates' eyes are rolling. Yeah. You know, they're bored. They don't have the same enthusiasm. They don't have the same, you know, they're not bringing juju to the table, you know? Sure. It's important that one person covers skills assessment. And that person ought to be the finest example of technical proficiency in the company so that they can really break things down. So that I can say to you, Rick, right now you're a full-stack developer and you work on this primary functionality for your company right now, what I'd like you to do is to imagine that the job that you have right now is equivalent to 100% of all of the functions and the duties that you do. I want you to break that 100% down into the percentages of time spent in each one of your functionalities going from largest to smallest. You know, as you start to say, well, 25% of my time is spent gathering business intelligence from ultimately the users, the interviewer needs to learn how to say, break that down. What are the ingredients that go into the gathering of your business intelligence? This is how an employer can really get to understand the nitty-gritty of what somebody does and how they process their job. Sure. And digging deep the is second, key, I think, all the way through the process, right? Yeah, and and I don't know if we're supposed to 
even mention this, but you've been through a course with me that's I've been through quite a few that. courses with you. And you know, you're not suffering at all. No. no. <laughs> you know, when it when it comes to business. So I think people really understand that you understand what exactly they do for a living and that's the job of the employer as well. Got it. The second second set of you know, people that address the candidate should be talking about the candidate's wish list. And they ought to have a number of subjects that range all the way from corporate culture to the size of an environment they would find to be the best to the actual work environment, be it um, whether or not it's flex time or more structured environment or resources. Yeah, and then the third piece would be what? And the third piece is to discuss the company's expectations of what this job is all about. So somebody needs to round everything up, saying we now have a full understanding of who you are, what you do, and how you stand out amongst other people. Here is the job, the way that we see it, and you need to tell us how compatible you feel you are to that. Obviously, the company has the ability to customize a lot of their presentation to all the things that the candidates spit out first. And they shouldn't customize around things that they can't deliver on, but, you know, when the candidate says from a corporate culture standpoint, you know, my thoughts are yada, 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 the client, you know, has the ability to say, here's what our corporate culture is, and it's yada, 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 and the candidate's like, oh my God, that's a fit. Yeah, and and to add on to this, I I think, you know, my perspective is an interview is not really the time to sell. It's more of a time to discover and show, right? Adding to what you were saying, you know, I think it's really important that that the companies do define their kind of ideals and bring that into their questioning as well. Timeline is so important and, and feedback and coordinating the schedules and sticking to the schedule. I think is another piece that um, I found in my practice that you have interviews that go long, an hour and a half, and it just throws off the whole schedule because they don't have an agenda, that it becomes a, a boredom fest when they get to the next person, right? They're just completely unengaged after an hour and a half with one person. I agree. And then, It's also real important that a client... I'm sorry for... No, go ahead. Go ahead. It's also important that a client fully explains what the next steps are so that people aren't left hanging. And if a client is not using a search firm in order to do the debriefing of the candidate, if a client is really, really good at conducting an interview and has developed a bond uh, and, and good chemistry with the candidate, there's nothing wrong in having the client say to the candidate, in a day or two, I'd like you to put your thoughts down on a, you know, in text or, or however you want to deliver it to me, regarding where you feel you are on this opportunity. I mean, evaluate it on a scale of one to ten. Ten, it's a done deal. Let's talk offer and, you know, one, not the right fit. And that was going to be my final point, which was close the loop. I mean, set a timeline, follow up, create follow up steps, and make sure that they know what it is. Yep. So that brings us that brings us to the end of our time. Peter, thank Shut you so much for taking the time out of your day to share your insights <laughs> with the Higher Power Radio community. Uh, now, if um, our listeners would like to get in touch with you, how do they reach you? 
they can call our corporate office, which is in Kansas City at 816-858-7611, or they can email me at peter at morgancg.com, which stands for Morgan Consulting Group, morgancg.com. Um, and they can either get on morgancg.com's website or if they're interested in doing any work with us from uh, an executive search standpoint, they can go to morgan2020.net, morgan2020.net. Absolutely. And you run training workshops. I'll give you a quick second to plug those as well every month we run about two programs at the ranch you know we've turned our our horse ranch into a 75 acre campus that uh, that recruiters and their owners romp around on and study hard and play hard at the end of the evening and they come in and spend three days with me so all of those dates are are on the website excellent and we conduct what we call morganars about twice a month as well. So these are webinars that reach out to about three, 400 people. Excellent. Everybody's on camera. I'm on camera. And we have a lot of fun, get a lot of work done at the same time. All right. Perfect. Well, thank you to our listening audience for tuning in this week's episode of Higher Power. Quick thanks to our team, our, our engineer, Paul Roberts, our producers, Joan Park, Haley Stern, Shanti Ryle, and our executive, Kim Iverson. For the latest insights on the Higher Power Radio Show, follow our Facebook page at Higher, that's H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, Radio Show. Or check out our blog at stridesearch.com blog. We're off next week due to the 4th of July holiday, but we'll return on July 11th. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power with Rick Gerard on OC Talk Radio. 